Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. We move to the reading brought to us by Julie Moore. Good morning. Today's gospel reading is Matthew 9, 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Elpheus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaan, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Julie. Thank you. So we move ahead into the sermon. Hey, good morning again, everybody from Holy Trinity. It is me, Pastor Tim. It is time for the sermon. I am again in front of the whiteboard. Um, It seems, as I said again last week, seems to be helpful as I explain certain terms um, with new words. It always helps me to see the word written out so I can picture it or imagine it in my head. And we're going to be doing a little bit of that again this morning, not as much, but just some concepts to draw out. So that's what we're doing. You just heard this week's gospel lesson. Now let me tell you a couple things. We are now in the season of time after Pentecost, or some people like to call it 
ordinary time. I like ordinary time over time after Pentecost. Let me tell you about what ordinary time is. We are so familiar with names of the other seasons of the church, right? Our church year begins with Advent. We celebrate or we look forward to the birth of Christ. Then in Christmas, we get the birth of Christ. In Epiphany, if Jesus was born at Christmas, those 12 days, Epiphany is, who is this child that was born? And so it's all about this awakening to who this child is. Then we skip over the life of Jesus and we go right into Lent as we go into a season of self-reflection, denial, how we strayed from the life of Christ. And that's Lent. Then we get Holy Week in which Christ dies um, and is buried. And then Easter, seven weeks, we celebrate the resurrection. Christ is not dead. And then Epiphany is just one day in which uh, the Holy Spirit is given, and that's what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. We are now in this time of time after Pentecost, or ordinary time. And why I like ordinary time, if all those other seasons of the church are based around the birth or the death or resurrection of Jesus, ordinary time is now about everyday life of Jesus. It is now the longest season of the church, um, if you come in and sit in the sanctuary, it means everything has gone to green uh, as far as liturgical colors. But ordinary time is everyday life of Jesus. Everyday life. Now, this is what I find interesting. All our other readings that are picked by the lectionary are about, for those other seasons of the church, are about how do we convey meaning to the birth death, and resurrection of Jesus. Ordinary time, we're just about the daily life of Jesus. So how, what readings are picked? Do we read right through a gospel now during his ordinary life? How does that work? And so we will get some stretches of our reading this summer in which it does, it is more continuous than before it seems like maybe we've jumped around a bit. But this is what I find really curious or really interesting about the passage that we had for today. The first reading that we get that is not based on the life or the birth or death or resurrection of Jesus or is not about a concept of who God is, Trinity Sunday last week, the first reading that we get about the everyday life of Jesus has to do with what Jesus is calling his people to do, what it's calling them to be. So here's what I mean by that. Here we have this passage in which Jesus is out, and I love some of the words. Jesus is, has compassion. Jesus has compassion for people, and it is the compassion he has, understanding the situation that they are in, that compels him to act toward them, for them, in their direction, on their behalf, however you want to say it. But it is compassion that Jesus acts for us and toward us. And who are the people he acts for? Those who were helpless. And let me see what that other one is. Do I have it written in here? Uh, and harassed. I can't believe I forgot that one. He's looking at those people who society has kicked out, 
kicked down, left out, ostracized, right? Whether it's happening as an individual way or whether it's this large system that has said, you don't matter. They are harassed and helpless. Jesus is compassion. And Jesus, by his action, is saying, you do matter. You matter to God. And so what does Jesus do? He cures, he heals, he redeems. And what we need to make sure is so much when we talk about what Jesus does when he cures and he heals, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, it's not just about a physical healing that Jesus does. As important as it is, that's not really what it's about. It's about what that physical healing allows to take place or occurs afterwards. And that is a re-entry into the community. That people who are helpless and harassed, whether they've been poor, whether they've been sick, whatever, uh, what race they, and not even, we even talk about concept of race or demographic they were part of. The race wasn't a concept at that time that came on later. That's why I checked myself there. Um, who are those people that have said, nope, and Jesus comes in, has compassion, and restores the community. He brings them back into their fold. Those, this is what is Jesus is doing by himself at this time. What is great about this passage, and I think it says a lot about who we are as a church, and I mean as a group of people, not as a building, because what Jesus does he now gathers those 12 together, right? And he commissions them to go out. Now, what's interesting about it is when he commissions them to go out, it, this can be misinterpreted. He says, go out to the lost house of Israel. Almost as if Jesus, it could be read, Jesus is for them, not for others. I don't think that's correct because this isn't the only thing that Jesus says on this. Rather, what Jesus is doing, he's saying, go out and remind the lost house of Israel the promise that was made to them on their behalf and who they were called to be and what they were called to do because it seems they have forgotten it. And so what Jesus is doing is when he calls the lost house of Israel, he's hearkening back to Abraham and that a big major promise that influences so much of the Old Testament is God promising to Abraham and saying, you are blessed to be a blessing. I am with you so you can be with others. I am close to you. Go be close. Walk with others. Jesus' first step is to remind people this is what you are called for. Now go and do it. Because after he gathers them together, he commissions them to go out. And when he commissions them to go out, right, it is cure the sick, heal the lepers, in the end, it is about restoring community. Oh, I misspelled community. That is what we are called to do. Later on in Matthew's gospel, that commissioning that he gives to these 12 to the lost house, he doesn't just say go to the lost house, but remember how Matthew ends. Go 
to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is just the start. This is not the ending. And to me, this has to do with us as church. We are called to participate in this, not just to the lost house of Israel, because that's that's where Jesus began years ago to remind people, but we are to go out to all people. That is the purpose of the church. So I want to talk about the church just for a minute. The church comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. Like many words, um, ekklesia comes from two root words. It comes from ek, which is out, and it comes from kaleo, to call. When you put them together, ecclesia, you get the called out ones. Church are the called out ones. The called out ones. Church is not a place we go. Church is something we do and embody and live out. Jesus has to gather people together to remind them of who they are and the promise of God toward them. That's what we do in what we traditionally call church. But that language is not correct. We need to change our language to better understand Our faith is not about whether we go to church and take an hour of our day and be in worship and then go on with our life. Our faith is about hearing who we are, what we are empowered to do, and then being the church, having compassion, healing the sick, cleansing the leper, having compassion on the helpless and the harassed, which means we look at systems and things that are going on, and we don't just look at an individual, but we want to understand why these things are continuing to happen. So if you want to know why I'm continually talking about race, or why we had to talk about uh, and still will reconciling in Christ and being a welcoming place, for LGBTQIA plus people is because as a church, we are always looking at those who are harassed, who might not have a voice. And so maybe at some level, uh, society has them deemed helpless, but I have a hesitant time saying that they, they are helpless because that's not the case, but their voice isn't as strong. I love a quote from Desmond Tutu though. At some point, we need to stop just pulling people out of the river and go upstream and to realize why they're falling in to begin with. Now, that is a much harder question to answer going upstream because you know what really feels good? Reaching down, helping somebody and pulling them out because you're able to say, oh, look what I'm doing, what I did. It feeds a piece of my ego and it means The system doesn't have to change, but instead, because of the system the way it is, I can actually build myself up by it, because look at the good end that I'm doing. 
Yet that's not what we're called to do. Remember, we said Jesus is about restoring community. It's not just about helping an individual person, as important as that is, but it's about understanding what is going on in the big picture, going upstream and understanding why people are falling in to begin with. And what I need to do when I do that is realize how am I contributing to that? And maybe in some way, how have I fallen into the stream as well? How do I need to be pulled out? And how can we stop everybody from falling in? That is the job of the church. That is why we come to worship, to determine how we live our lives as the church, as the called out ones. We don't go to church, we go to worship in a building. And we leave this place to be the church. If nothing else from the pandemic, I think that is something that we are learning over and over again. As great as it is to gather physically in the same place as everybody else, and it feeds us in a way that gathering online during Zoom just can't do, we also know we can be who we are meant to be. We can be the church without having to gather here. Because when Jesus heals the sick, when Jesus cleanses the leper, when we do these things, be the church. We don't do them within our building. We do them other places, right? I always like phrases to help me better understand different aspects of faith. And to me, it is God saves, we serve. God saves, period. Your salvation is in the hands of God. Your neighbor's salvation is in the hands of God. The people you can't stand, salvation is in the hands of God. The people who can't stand you, their salvation is in the hands of God. You have nothing to do about saving somebody or saving yourself. God does that. We live our salvation. We live our faith. We live the new life we have been given by serving others. Love God by loving our neighbors. And this first passage we get during ordinary time about the everyday life of Jesus is simply about that. I don't think it's a bit of irony or coincidence that the people who put together this lectionary reading for today, knowing it was going to be the first Sunday in Matthew of ordinary time after Trinity Sunday, to say, here's what you are supposed to do. We're not just trying to understand better about the birth, death, or resurrection of Jesus, but now we get to get into what it simply means to be a follower of Jesus having compassion, seeing who is harassed and helpless, admitting how we have been made, how we are contributing to and might be helpless ourselves, and admitting it, asking for forgiveness, and going out and partnering with God to build the creation that God always dreamed it can be and will be in the end. That's who you are. That is what you are called to be. More powerful than we ever could imagine. To do things that seem impossible 
And yet, with God, maybe there's some hope. Amen.